This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Bring joy to the world. Listen to us everywhere. Download the Joy smartphone app. Now at joy.org.au. Welcome into the locker room on Joy 94.9, your show for news, views and interviews about sport and our community. Thanks to Michael and Glenn from the Royal Daltons for taking care of the drive slot tonight on this very windy evening. Well, maybe it's starting to come down a little bit, but it uh, was pretty windy out there. Thanks also to Gary Wilson at the Joy 94.9 News Desk for bringing us all the latest news for the last time this evening. The locker room brings you the stories behind the stories in the world of sport, both professional and grassroots, while shining a spotlight on the contribution our community makes to both. Mark Rollins, my name, and my regular co-host, Smithy, is here to help me hold the cup aloft. Smithy, how are you doing on this Wednesday evening? Fabulous to be here. And can I just say, Gary's innuendo throw-through to our show is just getting better and better each week. Uh, Every time you think he can't top it, he just does it again. We have a well-oiled and lubricated machine here at Joy. Uh, We can just pump it through from news desk back to show, back again. It, It works so well. Smithy... Stop me and tell me what is going on tonight on the show. We've got a big show tonight. We've got, uh, starting off with M. Murcott. Um, she's running an ultra marathon from Mount Buller to Brighton. Um, that's Brighton here in, in Melbourne. Uh, we speak to her to find out what on earth possesses her to do something like that. Hang on. So what was that? Mount Buller? To Brighton. To Brighton. And they're, oh, gee, that's... She's doing it right now. So we're going to have a chat with her about that. Ooh, all right. Interesting. Um, we're going to have a chat with some of the guys and girls from the Melbourne Rovers. Oh, yes. Big tournament on this weekend. Yep, that's right. So, I hear you'll be there, Smithy. Yes, and um, I believe you're going too, Raleigh. Uh, so it's the Pride Football Tournament. That's between the Melbourne Rovers, Rovers and their rivals from Sydney. So we'll find out what's happening with that. We'll have a chat with Fairfax media journalist Jill Stark. Um, Jill might be known to some of our listeners. She's the one who broke a lot of the stories at the start of this year around the inclusion of, of gay players in AFL. So we'll find out what's been happening in that front on, on that scene. Um, for those of you who prefer that other footy code, we're going to have a chat about the NRL Grand Final with Victorian Rugby Union board member Joseph Ryan. Oh, big night last night for NRL. That was like their uh, their Brownlows last night, wasn't it? Yeah, it's called the Dally M medal. The Dally M. Yeah, and it was won by our own Cooper Cronk from the Melbourne Storm, so maybe we should ask him a bit about that as well. Oh, well, you've just ruined the Rollies roundup. Thanks. Oh, no. Um, plus, we're going to have the latest on what's been happening in sports, so maybe we should, we should just uh, throw to your roundup. But first, what we'd say at the locker room is let us know what you're thinking as well. Um, you can send us a text on 0427-JOY949 or email us at onair at joy.org.au or if social media is your thing, you can link to our Facebook page and Twitter feed from our webpage. Oh, fantastic. All right, I think it's time for a roundup. Bad boy and US Olympic skier Bode Miller has spoken out strongly against anti-gay Russian laws that could have an effect on the Winter Olympics in February. He said, I think it is absolutely embarrassing. There are countries and people who are that intolerant or that 
ignorant. Miller also said, it's not the first time we have been dealing with human rights issues since there they were humans. So he's uh, quite an expert on the, on the topic, Smithy. Well, I like how the bad boy's on our side. Yeah, well, that's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, that's exactly what we need is more bad boys. Well, I always like that the bad boys are attracted to skiing. You sort of imagine up there with the big hat and the big jacket on, sort of pushing people off the slopes. But yeah. mm, anyway, maybe We just that. need Brendan Favola to come out now in favour of gay rights, you know, to bring, bring the bad boy scene up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine Brendan Favola on the slopes. It might be quite scary. Uh, cricket. Australian captain Michael Clark faces a race against time to be fit for the first Ashes test against England and Brisbane. So if you're thinking I'm reading the wrong article, I'm not. So the Ashes, we've just had the Ashes and now we're having another Ashes. This is really strange, isn't it? Well, I think it's our chance to win them back, really. I mean... 50 days between them? Isn't there usually like usually two or three years? Usually a couple of years, yeah. But you know, It's like having an Olympics and then 50 days later, oh yeah, we'll have another Olympics. Well, it's, no, it's, it's the Ashes. I mean, if, if, if we're going to have cricket, we might as well have the Ashes. I mean, mm. it's probably the most interesting form of cricket we can have, so let's bring it on. Well, how ridiculous has cricket become? Because basically the Aussies are now in India for a seven-match series, which, of course, Clark's going to miss, which starts on October the 10th, which means they won't arrive back in Australia till November the 3rd. So the England will be here on October the 21st, preparing for the first game in the Gabba on the 21st, and the Aussies arrive 10 days before after a tour in the subcontinent, so I can't actually see how they're going to be able to compete, to be honest. I don't think cricket's that strenuous. I think they'll cope. Oh, you don't think so? No. Oh, okay. Here I was. All right. I was trying to give the cricketers an excuse if they lost, but if you don't want to take it. Uh, today marks the f- t- today marks 500 days to the start of the Internet, uh, well, ICC Cricket World Cup 2015, which will, of course, begin in my hometown of Christchurch, New Zealand, on the 14th of February 2015. I think they may have found a spare patch of grass with no rubble on it, uh, and they're going to deliver a pitch, and uh, Sri Lanka and New Zealand are going to have a great time there on the 30th of July. So, uh, NRL, Smithy may have already ruined this, but uh, last night, halfback Cooper Cronk from the Storm won the first Delhi M medal. Uh, it was a pretty thrilling result. Cronk got uh, 28 votes, two ahead of about three or four other players uh, who all tied, and this was basically Sydney's night of nights. Tell me, do you think the Delhi M is as big as the, as the Brownlows? Well, they, they give out a number of awards on the night. It's, it's a bit of a... There's a whole bunch of awards they give out. It's, it's more like a footy club, you know, pie night with, with sort of some awards thrown in. Yeah, but I, I was just saying to uh, one of our producers before was that um, they actually cancelled... Uh, what is it? X Factor. Well, not cancelled. Delayed it so they could put the brown loads on. Do you think they would have done the same with Delhi M? They would have shifted a big show like X Factor for Delhi M? I, I'm not quite sure, but what I do know is that Cooper Cronk's a bit of an amazing guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's got his own website. Oh, Cooper, wow. Coopercronk.com. Coopercronk.com. And I, I'd encourage our listeners to have a look. You can go to this section called Lessons Learned, and he's got well, a number of lessons learned. There are 13 of them. I won't read them all out. But that lesson number two is encouraging us all to read. Oh, wow. Um, so he's encouraging us to go down to our local bookstore, and, and independent bookstore, that is, and, and ask for something to read and you know, be open about your level of um, ability to read and they'll find something good for you. Well, they might have a pop-up book there or something for you, Smithy. You and know, there's something where you pull the tab and the beer jumps out of the box. There's a nice-looking shirtless pic of him there too as well, just if, if that's what's interesting you. All right, so Cooper Crump, half-naked, talking about reading books. Lovely. Um, right, so the Wallabies aren't having a great time playing rugby. Not going to get too much in that. I don't want you to cry on, on air. So that's fair enough. You don't talk about that, and I won't talk about yachting races. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Uh, the Aussies are not going to be wooden spooners. But anyway, big thing up in Sydney actually at the moment with school students, Scots College. 
uh, year 12 students up there are rebelling because a lot of them are being dumped from the basketball team because they've um, got a whole bunch of ringins, uh, scholarship ringins. Five of the other major schools or private school boys from around Sydney are refusing to play them. So uh, a bit of dramatic scene up there. Yeah. They've got this wonderful team now in Sydney and nobody will play them because they think they're stacked too Must high. be Must be tough when the elitist shoes on the other foot, huh? Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not feeling a lot of sympathy right now. That's, that's my private school, no, public school chip on shoulder showing through at the moment, <laughs> but we'll let that go. Uh, you're on the locker room, and that is your news roundup for Wednesday night. You're on Joy 94.9. More of your favourite shows. Joy 94.9. Welcome back. You're in the locker room. And, of course, it's uh, Mark Rowland and Smithy on air. Now, running for a tram, Smithy, gets me out of breath. And those people that talk about running marathons, I think, are a bit mad. I think sometimes those seven-kilometre fun runs are more, probably more my style. Uh, so our next guest, Emma Murcott, must be crazy as she's running an ultramarathon. It's going to be interesting to raise funds for the charity White Cloud Foundation. Emma's just completed the second day of the five-day Bullet to Brighton Challenge, and she joins us now on the phone. Em, welcome into the locker room. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Smithy. How are you? Oh, we're great, but more importantly, how are you? Yeah, pretty sore. Pretty sore and uh, nice and warm at the moment and dry after yesterday's spell of uh, windy, gusty, horrible weather. But um, not doing too badly after, you know, 110Ks I think we've run so far. So tell us where you've made it to so far. Uh, we're at the Yark um, in the Ark at the moment, at the Ark pub, having a good meal. Um, but, yeah, we stayed, or we finished yesterday in Mansfield and then made it our way up today. Em, so what exactly is an ultramarathon? I, I suppose I know the marathon, which is, what, 42Ks. What, what, what would the ultramarathon in total distance be? Well, it does vary. For us, it's two, about 250, probably a little bit more than 250 kilometres. But um, anything more than a marathon, I guess, is classed... Um, probably as a, an ultra marathon. From the videos you posted online, it looks like you had a pretty tricky first day with the wind, and I, I can imagine that. Yeah, we, um, Caroline and I both got up at uh, about half past five, looked out the window, and, and our worst nightmare had come true. It was blowing about 140 kilometres of wind, obviously, and um, it was a horizontal rain, um, sleet, and um, it was whiteout conditions. So we, we got driven to the top, and um, had to walk the last 100 metres or so to the summit, and we stayed there for a quick photo, and then we were off. It was it was horrible. Within the first three and a half k's, we saw a tree come down 50 metres in front of us, and the, the trees were just blowing a gale, and Caroline and I just looked at each other and said, what have we done? But um, the day didn't get any better from there. Our support crew were then stuck at the top of Mount Buller having some lattes and some uh, bacon and egg rolls, um, and they organised another support crew to meet us at Marimba. Emma, so, uh, that's a hell of a lot of running, but what's making you what's making you taking up the challenge and, of course, raising this money for uh, White Cloud Foundation would be good to know a bit more about? Yeah, look, about a year ago, a friend of ours, Scott Stevens, um, took on an even bigger challenge. He ran in Queensland from Chinchilla to Noosa, uh, which is about, well, it was 392 kilometres, and he ran that over eight days, and Caroline and I were up with him just running with him and, and we sort of suddenly decided that, oh, yeah, Caroline, we could do this. And Caroline's like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And then, of course, we'd set it in front of a few people and, and sort of felt like we we wanted to, to challenge ourselves and White Cloud is fairly new um, and we decided that um, we would try and raise awareness and funds for them to 
put in place to get education programs up and going about what depression is and the signs and, and symptoms of it so people can be more aware. And so tell us, what kind of training is involved with getting ready for a run like this? Um, Caroline's got a very good base in her running. She's been running for about 25 years without a break. Um, I've loved running and I have been running for a similar time. However, I've got two kids, so my time obviously was a bit stagnant at times. But we've both been training pretty hard for the last year. Em, uh, it's been great catching up with you. Quickly, if people want to uh, keep up to date with how your run's going and uh, track you along the way and, and, of course, even sponsor or donate you, how can they do that? Um, well, they can they can go to our Facebook page, um, which is Run Mount Bullard to Brighton, and Mount is actually M-O-U-N-T. And there's some great clips on, you know, before we start and then when we get into our places. Um so you can follow us that way. And then you can also jump on our whitecloudfoundation.org, go to events page and um, click on us and you'll, you'll be able to donate that way, which would be absolutely fantastic. So far, I think we've raised about $4,500. And just quickly, when and where do you finish up? Uh, in Brighton at about 5 o'clock on Saturday at the end of Worth Street on the foreshore. Em, uh, best of luck with the rest of the run and uh, you're doing so well and, of course, making us proud here at the locker room. Uh, you're on Joy 94.9. Missed your favourite show? Head, 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 head to the new Joy website and click on podcasts to catch up with the best Joy has to offer. Joy.org.au Smithy, we've been uh, there's been so much other sport going on at the moment at the moment with AFL and rugby league and of course uh, you and me out on the field with the Melbourne Chargers. Uh, but it's now time to look towards the football or soccer field, and uh, we're looking at heading down the Saturday to see the Rovers take on. I suppose uh, are they taking on the rest of the world? I think in Sydney, just just Sydney, but that's a that's a big job, I reckon. Oh yeah. Maybe the next the world's coming after that. Uh, the Melbourne Rovers, Rovers are taking part in the Pride Football Australia tournament uh, that's being held right here in Melbourne, and we're joined by club president Heath Wilson and women's coach Erin um, Gardner. So welcome to both of you. Thank Hello, you. Boys. Thanks for having us. Um, so our first question's for you, Heath. Um, are the Rovers ready to thrash Sydney? You know, the the interstate rivalry is alive and well, and uh, absolutely the Melbourne Rovers are, are certainly going to take it to the Sydney teams. Uh, I suppose, how did the, the Justin, Justin Fashanu Cup uh, get started? And uh, for those people who aren't familiar with him, why is he so important to you guys? Sure. So uh, Justin Fashanu uh, played um, from the, the late 80s through to the 90s um, and came out as the, the first um, soccer player over in England um, and unfortunately committed suicide in the late uh, 90s. It's pretty early, isn't it? Isn't it funny, like in 2012, we're talking about, you know, Robbie Rogers, of course, coming out. Mm-hmm. And, and sorry, Justin came out in what year, 19? Justin came out in the late 80s. The late 80s? Yeah. Jeez, I think I was only about so. seven or six then. So that's pretty incredible to have come out that early. It is. Yeah. So um, how did the Rovers get started? So the Rovers got started uh, back in 2008. One of my mates... Uh, Got together, loved soccer, and um, pulled together some of uh, the gay and lesbian players in Victoria, and that's how the Melbourne Rovers were formed. And Erin, the girls are playing for the, the Julie Murray Cup. Tell us a bit about what that's about. Yeah, so the Julie Murray Cup was launched last year, and um, it was really fitting, actually. The game ended in a draw, so we're really, really 
excited to get out there on Saturday and hopefully come home with a win. Um, Julie Murray is an absolute icon of women's football in this country. I mean, you just have to look at her resume to see why we're so excited that she's lent her name to this cup. Julie was... um, She's played you know, almost 70 international caps for Australia and she really paved the way for Australians to have a name in international women's football by being the first woman from this country to sign an international contract with a club in Denmark and then go on to play in the American League, which is an absolute massive achievement. And I guess for some of us who watched her as a youngster, who were inspired by her to take on the game and and really improve right the way through to the girls who have taken it up at a later age and who are feeling, I guess, the after effects of all of the work she did to um, make a name for this sport in the country. It's just an absolute honour for us to be able to play for this cup and you know I've just come off the track and left the girls out there to train now for a few minutes and the energy is just just crazy it's, it's great we're really all excited Erin uh, with the girls still out there training how much uh, have they been doing in the lead up to the cup this Saturday? So we've been training as a group for about four weeks. We do have a team of 16 girls made up from um, clubs, three different clubs in Melbourne and different divisions. It was an incredibly um, popular, I guess, event when we put out expression of interest. We got so much response that we had to go to ballot. Um, so it's only four weeks together, but you know they've, they've come together incredibly well and a lot of them did play in the Cup last year together. So I think we're... We're in a really good position to, to give it a red-hot go on Saturday and hopefully bring the Cup home. Erin, so you guys don't have a regular team, so basically most of the players are playing for, uh, I suppose, just the clubs across Melbourne and you're just bringing them together for the special occasion or have you got a regular team that, that plays? The majority of the team is made up from girls from the Yarra Jets. So that's, I guess, um, we're very strongly affiliated with the Melbourne Rovers and that's our regular season. But there are girls from other clubs who've joined us, especially for this tournament, which is really exciting. So if, I, if I'm out there and uh, thinking about coming to join you guys, uh, so the season's starting or is it finishing and, and, how, and uh, is there room for new players? Yeah, we've just finished the season a couple of weeks ago. We're always more than happy for for new players to come along to trainings and we're a really open and inclusive club, um, just like the Rovers. So there's definitely always spots for people. We've got a couple of different divisions in the club at the moment. So I would definitely encourage anyone who's, you know, whether they've played football before or not, to come down and say hello. So Heath, tell us a bit more about the actual game on Saturday. What can people expect and, and what kind of what kind of things can, will be going on on the day? Sure. So there's uh, three games that are happening. It kicks off at 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, there's a Australia versus the World game, which is uh, a friendly game. So all those uh, Rovers players um, or any other gay and lesbian uh, players that didn't get to uh, participate in the Justin Fashionu or the Julie Murray Cup are playing in that, along with uh, some of... Um, rope-ins from the Sydney teams uh, and then the, the Julie Murray Cup's on at midday tomorrow uh, and sorry on Saturday and then at 2.15 uh, there's the Justin Fashionu Cup uh, that kicks off so there's three games in total Made in Melbourne for Australia and the world Joy 94.9 you're on the locker room on Joy ninety four point nine, and we're joined by uh, Heath Wilson and Aaron Gardner from the Melbourne Rovers. Um, Heath, tell us a bit about where people need to go tomorrow um, on Saturday, rather to watch the big event. Saturday, uh, it's down at uh, Kevin Bartlett Reserve, which is in uh, Richmond, and named after a footballer. Um, 
an AFL football, that's a bit, bit of a strange place to play a game of uh, soccer. Have you got any involvement from the AFL side of things? So we've uh, Jason Ball, who uh, is part of, uh, who plays for Yarra Glen Footy Club and is a strong advocate for equality, is uh, the first Justin Fashionu patron uh, this year. So he will oh, be down stuff. on Saturday, which is pretty exciting. How long has this uh, tournament been going on between uh, Melbourne and those people north of the Murray? North of the Murray. So um, the Sydney Rangers, which is the the men's Sydney team, and the Melbourne Rovers men's team have been playing for the last four years. This is the fifth year. Um, And the Melbourne Rovers women's team plays uh, the Flying Bats uh, in the Julie Murray Cup, and this is the second year, so it's Expanding, and we hope it t- continues across the country. And so, tell us, have the boys managed to beat the Sydney team yet? We have, which is very exciting. At the moment, it stands at two all. So, um, and the home team actually has never won in their home state. So, it's always the away team who upsets. Wow, the the, the passion of the touring party is, is won over every time. It is What's up about, until this year. Yeah, that's right. It's about time to break that trend, don't you think, Rolly? Oh, well, exactly right. We're going to give you 30 seconds to give us a marketing spell on why people should play soccer and why they should come and join the Rovers. So if you have haven't played soccer for a long time or uh, you know, you're know you wanting to find that sport, there's a great bunch of people down at the club, both in the men's and the women's team. Soccer's the largest participation sport in this country. Um, and, you know, it's, it's great and there's a lot of social aspects to it also. Thanks so much for joining us tonight in the locker room. And uh, Smithy, we'll be down there at the Kevin Bartlett Reserve, uh, hopefully talking to a few people, and we'll bring you up to date on how it went uh, next Wednesday. You're on the locker room on Joy 94.9. Work getting you down? Unwind with us weeknights with uplifting, informative and empowering programs. Joy 94.9. Uh, for those of you who are suffering from footy withdrawal, well, here on the locker room on Joy 94.9, then we have uh, some other options for you. You might want to consider some other codes like Rugby League. Uh, this Sunday sees the climax of the Rugby League year with the grand final of the NRL between the Sydney Roosters and the Manly Sea Eagles. To give us a rundown of the big game, uh, we speak to Victorian Rugby League board member and Melbourne Storm fanatic Joseph Ryan. Hi, uh, gentlemen. Thanks for having us. And Welcome. Um, for those Melbournians who don't know much about this game, can you give us a rundown on what we might expect? Well, this week is its almost the game that the NRL uh, wanted to have. They wanted to get South Sydney in there. They, it would have been one versus two, two traditional Sydney sides that have uh, had a bit of a history of not quite getting to the top rung recently. Uh, but instead, we've got one of the best-performed sides of the last few years in the Manly Sea Eagles who have battled their way in from fourth. And uh, they look as though they could be a side to really take it up to the Roosters, who have been the best side of the year and finished on top of the ladder. Joseph, it sounds like a bit of a conspiracy if you ask me. But um, (laughs) one of the things I can't figure out is uh, on my Facebook wall, anybody from New South Wales seems to be quite open about hating manly Warringai. I can't understand why. Are they like the Collingwood of uh, Victoria? You, you took the words right out of my mouth. That's exactly what they are. So how have uh, they earned that reputation? I thought Manly was a sort of posh, you know, well-to-do suburb. It is a posh, well-to-do suburb. And one of the reasons that they uh, haven't been liked over the years is that, and funnily enough, given that we've got some poaching going on in the AFL at the moment, is that back in the day, uh, Manly always used to poach players from opposition clubs, particularly from the western suburbs, so that it'd be the, uh, the Fibros versus the Silvertails. 
the fibro shacks of the West having their good players taken by the silver tails of Manly over in the East. And uh, despite many years having passed, uh, they still haven't got over it. And I guess the question all our listeners will want to know, um, is Tina Turner going to be there? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Uh, the NRL's been uh, famous for its uh, advertising and... I think this year, though, they've gone with Jessica Malboy, and I reckon there's a very good chance that we'll see her performing because she seems to appear at just about every NRL event at the moment. Yeah, she's got um, a very interesting song at the moment, something about filling her up or uh, filled me up, so uh, hopefully she'll be broadcasting that one. Hey, look, I'm uh, a bit more interested in what happened to the Melbourne Storm. So, so what happened to our local team this year? Oh, dear, I've been crying for the last two weeks. Uh, you made mention of the fact that Cooper Cronk uh, won the Dally M, which is, I guess, the equivalent of the Brownlow, uh, in the NRL, uh, so he's the best and fairest player of the year. Unfortunately, against Newcastle a couple of weeks back, he had his one bad night of the year. Um, he and uh, all of his teammates, I think, they put in a, a bit of a shocker of a performance and uh, couldn't quite get the job done on the night. Seems as though everything that could go wrong did go wrong. They had a player break his jaw in a, a collision. Uh, one of the uh, real rising stars of the last couple of years, Cesar Wanga, hurt himself. And then, of course, our ever-reliable Billy Slater, unfortunately, had his one moment of madness this year where he dropped a high ball right in front of the goals. And, of course, Newcastle picked it up and went straight over the try line. So it was a bit unfortunate, but, oh, well, we've had a good run for the last few years. Hopefully they'll bounce back next year. Now, I've been out to a few Storm games out at Amy Park, and they've got a bit of a following out here, but most people wouldn't really associate Victoria with Rugby League. Um, You're on the board of the Victorian Rugby League. What's the local scene like here? Well, uh, we've got a thriving local league here, um, and we also have a number of leagues out in the country as well. Uh, Victoria has been a, a, a venue for rugby league since uh, as early as 1908 when the game first started up. Uh, there were games uh, of rugby league uh, played here as long ago as that. Uh, more recently, I think it was about the 1950s, that the, the VRL... Uh, got started and there was a lot of expatriate interest then. A lot of the clubs that won the tournaments back in the day were teams involving the Air Force and the Navy, um, uh, people who had been stationed here from the northern states. But now we have a number of uh, big, thriving clubs. Uh, We recently had our grand final uh, and that was a huge day out at Sunbury. Uh, The home side Sunbury got up in the big one over Altona and one of our up-and-coming clubs, Northwest Wolves, who have only been around for a few years, uh, won their uh, first-ever senior premiership in Division Two. so they'll be one to look out for. Our junior numbers have been going really well, uh, lots of new players coming in, and uh, some of our clubs are actually at capacity with their juniors, so we're looking to expand even further. It's been a good year. Look, I suppose uh, one thing I have to ask you about, you know, uh, when you watch rugby league, you see a lot of these big sort of big uh, inarticulate blokes maybe charging charging each other. Um, (laughs) What what do you think is the attraction to rugby league? Well, I think it it combines a a, a few great sporting elements in that it has both the strength aspect of, uh, you know, the big guys running through tackles or getting tackled and stopping players in their tracks. And it's also got the speed. Um, if you've seen players like Billy Slater, um, you know, do a chip kick and run to the try line, um, you know, it's, it's exhilarating. It's, it's great fun, and um, obviously, it also helps when you have a really successful side like the Melbourne Storm have been over the last few years as well to, to bring people along. The great atmosphere down there, um, some uh, uh, great people who get behind the team every week, and 
uh, wave the flags and get the chance going. And it's a fantastic atmosphere. I encourage everyone to try and get along to at least one game next year. And Joseph, um, many of our listeners would know about Ian Roberts, who as a gay rugby league player who came out in 1995. Um, yes. But the game is not known necessarily for being particularly in- inclusive. What, what do you think can be done to make it more attractive to the gay and lesbian community? Well, I guess there's always more that can be done. Um, just recently, uh, Matt Chechen, one of the referees, uh, came out and was roundly supported uh, by the community. Uh, didn't get so much support a couple of weeks ago when uh, he one of his wrong decisions was a seven-tackle try. Oh, that, that was him. Your listeners may oh, have no. read about. Um, there's, yeah, there's lots of lot, always more to be done. Uh, the NRL and the VRL have been working on a lot of inclusivity programs that not only involve uh, sexuality but race and gender as well. And uh, one of the reasons that I joined the board was to help develop those programs. And uh, hopefully you'll uh, see more of those uh, going on into the future uh, and continue to include people of all backgrounds. And Joe, in a word, who's going to win the big game on Sunday? Well, I'd love to say the Roosters because I've got a few Roosters supporting mates, but I just can't help but think that Manly's big game experience will get them through. Boo, Uh, that's for the uh, 10,000 Facebook uh, listeners out there. And the, the Roosters' halves, Maloney and Pierce, uh, they were pretty poor for New South Wales in the big game in the state of origin this year. And uh, while I think they will really want to atone for that performance, I just think Manly's got the got the goods to get it done. All right, well, we said in a word, but that was pretty vain hope, I guess. Um, Joe, thanks very much for joining us on The Locker Room today and giving us your thoughts about the big game. Uh, we'll be back in a moment. Bringing you more of your, your, your community. Joy 94.9. You're on the locker room on Joy 94.9. Our next guest is Fairfax journalist Jill Stark. Jill has been covering the issue of homophobia in the AFL for some time now, and her articles on the subject will be familiar to many of our listeners. In February this year, she broke the story of Carlton star Brock McLean's call for the AFL to do more to tackle homophobia in sport and profiled efforts by openly gay amateur player Jason Bourne and others to put a spotlight on the issue. Jill's also a self-described Hawthorne tragic and she's been kind enough to take time out uh, from basking in the glory of Premiership success to speak to us on The Locker Room tonight. Welcome to The Locker Room, Jill. Hi, guys. How are you going? Uh, we're pretty good. Um, it's been a full season since you brought the issue of homophobia in the AFL to light. Has much changed or are we still seeing the same old problems kicking around? Um, I, I think there's been a lot of progress, um, just have to look at the AFL players' involvement in the Idaho campaign in in May this year, which was was really great to see every club get invo- involved and stars of every club um, really take message about um, you know tackling homophobia in in football. And until that point, we hadn't seen any AFL player um, back Jason's campaign. Um, other than Brock McLean when he spoke to me in the Sunday Age, but you know, it, was, it was a lot of silence from the football community at that point. But so the, I think things have changed, but there still needs to be a lot of work done at the AFL level to actually really tackle the issue at a, at a, grass, a grassroots level. Jill, Mark Rowland here. Um, you've, sp- you've written a lot about uh, a bit of silence at the uh, top levels of the AFL. Why do you think that is, and do you think it's changing? Yeah, I'd like to think it's changing. It's it's something that um, it's hard to get my head around why that's still happening, but I think there's a number of reasons for it. I think that it is, um, as I've said before, unlike 
yeah, I think with racism, it's a very it's a very visible problem. Um, but with homophobia, it's easier for the AFL to ignore it because they can say, well, it doesn't really affect us because we don't have any gay players. But there, there must there surely is gay players, gay supporters, gay gay officials. But um, it's not. Uh, something that everyone talks about because it is still that hidden issue. So I think it's until it would be a real shame if we have to see some really unfortunate, ugly incident before a real change is um, instituted from the top. And you mentioned the, the Idaho campaign, and that involved players like Joe Watson, Scott Pendlebury, Luke Ball, Andrew Spoiler, you know, big, big names in the AFL. But that was supported by the AFL Players Association. Do you think that's something the actual league itself needs to get behind? They do, and we do know that they're actually working on um, an education program at the grassroots level and that they're, that is something that's in train, but they're just very reluctant to talk about it. And I think that um, on one level, they don't want to say too much until it's actually in place, and I understand that, but the, the other level, it's sort of thing, well, they're the leadership in the competition. They really need to be the ones that that take that role model um, position. Um, and as I said uh, to Dean Beck recently, you know, I was at a footy match watching Jason watching Jason Ball play in his preliminary final a few weeks ago and somebody yelled across the fence um, you faggot, not to him actually but just to another player who was seen as being a bit soft and not going so hard after the footy and I think that that really needs to be led from the top that this kind of language is not acceptable and in the same way as the AFL has led change with um, racism and you know respect for women, um, they really have taken a very strong stance on that so I'd like to see them do the same in this area. Jill, there's nothing much more than I like better than a uh, party in a sporting event. Um, they talked about last year of a Pride ma- uh, pride match up in uh, Sydney. Did much come of that? And uh, is it more likely now that, um, you know, the Swans have now got some pretty good players? I think um, it was something that Sydney and Hawthorne were apparently both on board with. Um, I think with the AFL has had... has had a lot of its own off-field issues to deal with this season and that's not an excuse for them but I think they obviously have had really large problems to deal with and this is probably not their number one priority but certainly people like Jason um, are not going to let them rest on, on that and I think that it's not just about that match though I think it's that's a very good um, symbolic gesture but there needs to be more work done like I said, so that this kind of language, we're not hearing it at the football and that people are really taking a strong stance against it because a Pride match is a good start, but unless it's backed up with solid policies and solid sanctions for people who use that language and who discriminate against um, other people, then we're not really going to see that change. Jill, being a Hawthorne supporter, that colourful character, Jeff Kennett, what is he, a hindrance or a benefit to the club? Or do you sometimes just put your head in your hands when he opens his mouth? (laughs) Well, the Kennet curse is over, so we're all pretty happy about that. I actually bumped into Jeff a couple of days before the grand final at work at the Age Cafe, and I was convinced that this was a sign that I had broken the curse single-handedly. So um, <laughs> I think... <laughs> Everyone's taking credit for that one. I know. Yeah. Do you think he would have actually, if you guys had lost, do you think he would have actually come out and apologised, well, not apologised, but actually said Geelong was you know, strong mentally? Do you think he would have uh, backtracked? Once upon a time, said no. Jeff doesn't do any apologising. But then I see the the the, um, the shift that he's made on the issue of homophobia is quite extraordinary. And I have a lot of respect for Jeff in that in that um, regard because, you know, I wrote a few years ago. I was writing stories about how Beyond Blue was doing very little, well, nothing at all, really, to 
to um, address the mental health issues faced by people in the GLBTI community because of the discrimination that they face, it was just a denial. And then now you've seen a national campaign, the left handed campaign that, that Jeff has really largely led. And not only that, but he was one of the first people to back Jason Ball. And he's been quite instrumental in getting the AFL to listen on this issue. And I think that you've got to give him respect for that. So that although he's he can be quite difficult and he's quite a character he the, the kind of people that listen to jeff kennett the conservative older um football supporters um they're the kind of people that actually we need to change the minds of so it's actually i think a very good thing to have jeff on board because he he can he can ha- have people like him who have had that sort of epiphany if you like and realize that this is not on that we we can't continue to discriminate against a, a group of people so i think jeff's quite handy in that regard and he's not shoveling sand on journalists anymore either, so that's also been a, been a good transition for himself. <laughs> um, just briefly, uh, the season that was, um, Hawthorne's premiership aside, what was the highlight for you? I don't know if there's a bigger highlight than that. I'm still kind of trying to recover from the weekend, to be honest. <laughs> but, um, uh, I mean, quite honestly, everything that I've seen Jason do and to see... I know it's obviously off-field, but to watch Brock McLean and Dan Jackson walk down... Um, Fitzroy Street with Jason and the boys from Yarra Glen was really quite a moving moment and I think that we're going to look back on on that and just say this was when the shift began to happen. Um, to see AFL players really unite in that cause, I think it's it's a real sign of shifting attitudes and that made me very proud to know Jason but also very proud to be a footy fan because I think we do um, hear a lot of terrible stories about AFL players and the footy culture but there's a lot more to it than that and a lot of these young guys do have gay friends and family members and they're ready for this change. So I, I, I think that's a pretty proud moment for me just to, to see that shift happening. Jill, uh, just slightly off the AFL, I, I was reading an article of yours and uh, you got lost in the uh, no lights, no like, or is it mad as it sounds? <laughs> yeah. I, I can imagine <laughs> flailing hands and sweaty bodies in the middle of darkness in Brunswick. I can't imagine um, it's my cup of tea, but how did you go? It was great, actually. I have to say there's not many other things you could do for $5 on a Wednesday night that would give you that much fun. But um, it was it was really enjoyable. I was I went again last week, actually. Um, I would have been there tonight was it, were it not for chatting to your points. But, um, yeah, when you're dancing to the Lion King at 8 o'clock on a Wednesday night, it's just – and you're jumping around like a child. There's not much uh, – there's not much bad about that, really, is it? It's just about letting go and about – dancing as if no one's watching um which i certainly did i took it to the extreme my friend said i looked like i'd been on drugs but i wasn't i was perfectly straight (laughs) and now we have to ask you just because it's been the big story of the day buddy's moved to sydney did you see that one coming uh no and i was just having dinner with a friend just now and saying what does it say about us as journalistic fraternity that um as a journalistic community that we that not one journalist picked this in a year. <laughs> Apparently Buddy was talking to Sydney a week after last last year's grand final and no one saw it coming. It's like, wow, William Pickering, his manager, is some sort of evil genius that he managed to pull this off without anyone noticing. But no, I didn't see it. And I, when it first broke yesterday, when GWS tweeted about it, I got pretty upset and I was saying some things about Buddy on Twitter that I probably should have been. Oh, no. You no. sound like you need to go and shake down your sources in Sydney. <laughs> Just go and find them down a back alley and shake them down and ask oh, them what they're up to. I was upset, but then I realised, well, you know what? It's actually a good luck to him. Uh, he's going for ridiculous money. I mean, if 
if the Swans really think that Buddy Franco is still going to be kicking the ball around at 36, then you know what? I could get a game. For the no, I don't think case. so. Thanks so much for joining us in the locker room to, uh, tonight, Jill. It's great to get your insights. And uh, as we move into the season next year, we'll definitely be getting you on. Uh, you're in the locker room on Joy 94.9. You're in the locker room on Joy 94.9. Smithy, it's time for you to help me pull off my socks and rub some deep heat into my thighs. Must be that time we've only got two minutes to go. Uh, A couple of things happening in this week's in sport, which I don't think's right. We've written that if you're over the age of 30 and fancy yourself a bit of a sports man or woman, then head down to Geelong this weekend for the Masters game. If you're over 30... It doesn't mean you're a master. That's terrible. I thought it'd be like 60. But even at 60, you could still be playing. I mean, You're sounding very hurt by all this. I I think you're taking it far too personally. I'm I'm disgusted. Uh, 8,000 people are expected to descend on the... Jeez, that's big for Geelong. Where are they going to stick them all? Uh, For the week-long event with most sports open to anyone over 30. So, Smithy. On the switchboard, lights up. Angry callers from Geelong. Smithy, pack your bag, buy your V-line ticket... Head on the Warrnambool train. Just remember you get off because you don't want to end up in Warrnambool. Uh, and, of course, oh, actually, I'm still too young to attend. I'm 29. Oh, thanks. Um, and also, the Wallabies, if you're still interested, they're playing uh, Argentina over in Rosario in, in Argentina. But it's just not looking pretty for them. So I, I wouldn't recommend watching it. Underlay. That's the only Spanish thing I know to get the Pumas going. Do you know Spanish? Like, no. Giddy up, go. Uh, Vamos. No, that says go away, doesn't it? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well. Go, go. Uh, it's time for us to go, go, I think. Yeah, and of course, the uh, NRL's on this weekend, so if you just want to watch really big lads smashing into each other, then uh, catch that. And also, if you want to see me and Smithy and get our autographs on Saturday, come down to the Kevin Bartlett Reserve. Um, and we will be cruising. No, we won't be cruising around. We will be standing around doing interviews. And that has been the locker room for a Wednesday night. See ya. Listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.